Hello, this is Corey Widmer. I'm pastor at Third Church. We're so grateful that you're listening, that you're listening to our podcast. This January of 2019, we're doing uh, a dedicated sermon series that focuses on our vision statement, which is called together for the renewal of all things. And this month, we're focusing on the renewal of people. And so we have a sermon series that we're calling How People Change, in which we're looking at how God brings about change in the lives of ordinary people. So to accompany the sermon each week, we're also releasing a podcast in which somebody from our congregation um, simply tells their story about how they've experienced change that God has brought about in their lives. Um, So we're really excited that over the next four weeks, we'll be hearing from four different people telling their stories. And today, I'm really excited to welcome Mary Damon, who's a dear friend of mine, and Mary uh, is uh, just a wonderful person and an elder in our church um, and someone who has a really beautiful story to tell. So welcome, Mary. Great to have you here. Thanks, Corey. It's good to be here. So can you just maybe start wherever you want to start and tell us about how God has worked change in your own life? Mm. That is such a great topic. Um, I have more of an appreciation for God's renewal the older I get because it doesn't stop. It gets richer. And um, when he keeps me alert to it, when I when I stay alert to him, um, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, I grew up with an awareness of God. I was churched as a kid. Um, Is that here in Richmond? In Roanoke. Roanoke. Um, but a church not unlike Third Prez. Um, and... I grew up with two wonderful parents, but um, they had the disease of addiction. And so my home was very chaotic, um, and our church life was sort of um, about looking as if, not acting as if so much as looking as if. Mm. Um, And I thought that that was sort of our program for success. Um, and so I, I wanted to be like all my buddies who knew the Westminster Catechism. I thought oh, that... man, you were in it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just remember Vacation Bible School and how well they all knew it, and I didn't. Um, already had a sense of being less than other people um, because of what they could do. Um, so... My initial um, sort of vision of God was pretty, um, oh, formulaic, maybe, um, and not so much loving and saving um, until I was about 13. And I had a brother. um, All my siblings were much older and very... um, very affected by the chaotic home we lived in. Um, And my um, second oldest brother found a wonderful church 
and he got saved, which was a new phrase for us. (laughs) (laughs) Presbyterians were not accustomed to that phrase. (laughs) They're not accustomed to that phrase. And that alone, I think, was an attraction for us. So the whole family sort of had to go see what what this was all about. Including your mom and dad. Including my mom and dad. And really, um, it was the beginning of a huge transformation in my family. Eventually, Mom and Dad were um, both able to be sober. Um, they loved that church. They loved that pastor. Um, and it was, it was really um, a beautiful place for us. I answered an altar call when I was 13 years old, which was way different from my very suburban Presbyterian, um, you sit in your own row mm-hmm. kind of upbringing. Um, And I thought at the time that there was a way to look, that being a Christian was about looking a certain way, and that I had to do everything in my power to follow the rules to look a certain way. And, of course, I was 13, 14, 15, and that was pretty flimsy willpower in the face of adolescent peer pressure and... Um, so I, I went astray pretty quickly um, and succumbed to all the, all the things that I thought would um, make me popular, make me fit in, make me um, successful. Richard Rohr has a great phrase about um, program, for, program for happiness, that we all have one. Mm. Um, and I think my program for happiness was to do whatever I could to appear successful. And success was completely dependent on the environment I was in. Right. Um, so I, I succumbed to whatever was there um, to be successful with whoever I was around. So um, I, had, I had no really connection with God for a long time until I got married and I had children. Um, I mean, I, I thought I was a Christian. I thought I held certain um, sort of theological beliefs, but I didn't have any relationship with a loving God. Um, and, of course, when I got married and Doug and I started having children, we figured we needed to sort of bring God back into the fold of our family so um, we looked for a really nice church and found one um, and sort of played at church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Played the church game <laughs> for a bit. We played the church game for a bit. Um, and for a number of years, I was able to, um, to play the sort of suburban, um, white, 2.3 kids, half a dog kind of um, <laughs> kind of formula, and it, it worked okay for a while until it stopped working. Mm. And really for me, um, it stopped working when I realized part of, part of that equation was playing a lot with cocktail parties, with, um, with socializing involving alcohol without restraint. Mm. And for a person like me, that's dangerous because... With your family history. With my family history, with addiction. So um, 
I, I came to be really um, discouraged and really aware that I was living a lie, that the suburban life that I was trying to make look so picture perfect, checking off all the boxes, um, was not true. Was there an incident that happened that made you suddenly realize or suddenly believe that you were living a lie, or was it just a growing sense of dissonance? Do you, what was it that got you to that place? Do you remember? Yes, I do. It was a growing dissonance. It was, um, it was a series of episodes of not being able to control my own behavior, mm. um, mm. specifically around drinking. Mm. Um, and my, my utter failure to marshal my own will mm. to behave the way I wanted to behave and to sort of, frankly, present the image I wanted to present. So you were living a, a, a perceived life as a controlled, put-together person, but you were growing in the sense that you were out of control. Right. And that you couldn't actually hold things together. Right. Mm. Right. And I, um, I had, I, I played around with, with getting help for that, um, asking people for their opinions, um, none of, all to empower me. It never occurred to me that I wasn't going to find a human solution mm. um, until I sort of exhausted all of my human solutions. Um, and finally, when all the human solutions were um, exhausted, I'd tried everything, I reached out for help, um, and was really met right there with God incognito. It was a beautiful thing with people who were um, living with God hourly. Um, what do you mean by that? They knew that their ability not to drink specifically, um, and later I'd learn really to control their lives, um, th that they had no ability to do that, mm. that they were utterly powerless. And so they had to rely on God hour by hour, minute by minute, because they'd proven to themselves that there was nothing they could do mm. um, to help themselves. Um, and so I, I guess I reached a point of um, spiritual desperation, which is a wonderful thing. Mm. Um, and was willing to take suggestions from people um, who seemed to be able to make it through the day, able to make it through the week. Um, and slowly but surely what was revealed was it was all God. So things... Um, Things that seem like coincidences or things that seem just to work out because I followed somebody else's suggestions, turned out it was God. And I uh, was able to be led to see the loving God, not the theological God that I'd sort of grown up with, but a loving God who was really invested in wanting me to be healthy.
Mm. Um, I remember I came across the verse um, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, um, and I'm terrible at quoting Bible verses, so it's going to be mangled paraphrase, but it says something like, um, you're not going through anything that isn't common to everyone, but um, whatever temptation you come on, it it's not going to be too big for you. God will always provide a way out. And that was huge for me mm. to know that right in the Bible, there was this specific promise to me that on an hourly, daily basis, as I was trying to overcome this urge, this addiction, God had already spoken to it. Mm. That that just blew my mind. So um, he, it, it's it's so funny when I I think about renewal. I think about um, how sort of de-educated I've been about God. How God has been deconstructed for me. Mm. Um, and I heard the other day a great quote, something along the lines of, "If you think you know God." then your God is too small. Mm. And that, that for me says a lot about how God renews us, is it's just ever broadening, ever, um, ever gracious in learning something new, some new aspect. Mm. As you think about how you came to know the love of God, mm. I mean, you mentioned suddenly you begin to see and know God not as this theological concept, but mm-hmm. as someone who loved you mm-hmm. and that you could rely on, mm-hmm. depend on. Mm-hmm. How did you come to know that? I mean, did you? how did you know, come to encounter God as, as a loving God? Did you? Was it through church? Was it through friendship? Was it through uh, a 12-step group? Was mm-hmm. it through, what, what, how did you come to know God in that way? Primarily, um, and initially with this transformation, it was um, through a 12-step group. Um, But I also have a sister who has a beautiful faith. Um, And I remember her saying to me one time, I called her about something I'd read in the morning, and it was so spot on for my day. It was a... a, um, a devotional of some sort. And she said, Mary, you need to write that down because God spoke that to you today. That was written particularly for you today. And I never, ever thought that the way. I- the idea that God would do something for you or speak to you. or Specifically. Um, mm. And it took other people telling me, what, Mary, what's going on with you is God. You know, that person that you ran across in Target who encouraged you today, that's God. That's Mm. how God shows up. And um, I didn't have the experience of that. I had the theological concept, but it was when I experienced the love of God. Mm. And then people gave me everyday words about this is God showing up that I started to trust that the God everybody told me loved me really did love me. Mm. He really was showing up. And he really maybe had been there, but you suddenly had eyes to to see him, mm-hmm. to see how he loved you mm-hmm. and how he was present. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, 
a teacher one time, and he said that his prayer for the new year was, wake me up. And I was so impressed with that. I just have sat with that for, I think I heard that about four or five years ago. And it just comes back to me that, gosh, that is exactly what I always need, just to be waked up. Mm. And so what does that look like in your life now? I mean, Mm -hmm. I loved what you said in the beginning that that renewal is a ever ongoing process. You know, it's not like, oh, great, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a new person, but mm-hmm. that we're ever being made new, and only will ever be finally new until, uh, as we wait, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. for the new creation and the kingdom of God. But what does it look like for you now to live as a new person? To mm-hmm. still, you know, battle against the disease mm-hmm. of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, to still live in a broken body and a broken world. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it look like for you now to live out of that new identity that you have in Christ? Um, it's, frankly, it's a struggle every day. It's a struggle to let go of a struggle that I think is mine when it's really not mine. Um, it's a struggle to be still and be quiet. Um, but I love to learn, which is sometimes a character defect for me and sometimes a great thing. But one of the things um, that has really grabbed me lately is learning about Jesus's encounters with people. Mm. And I told you in another conversation one time that um, I just heard someone talk about the parable of the woman at the well and how Jesus met her there and knew all about her life and could recount exactly what had gone on for her. And I'd always sort of seen that encounter as a little prickly, that maybe Jesus was not altogether, um, I don't know, that he was holding her accountable, maybe a little bit more than I was comfortable with. Um, And the person who spoke about this, it was Dale Ryan, um, by the way, the person who spoke about this was saying, you know, if you look at how that woman walked away from him, how she went to the very village she was ashamed to be part of, that she avoided, and said, this man knows my story. She could speak about her own story, and she could speak about it because Jesus had become the thing that had mm. moved her story mm. into another realm. She mm. was transformed, mm. and it gives me chills now to even think about it. Mm. But to realize that Jesus' encounters with people were so loving and that, I, that he transforms when you meet him. Mm. That, that's been huge And that a woman, me. I mean, it's, that is an amazing story because... She at the one and the same moment was fully exposed and seen. Yes. And yet felt completely and fully loved. Yes. And those are two things we don't often put together. We feel like if we're going to be exposed, then we will be rejected, or yes. if we're really going to be loved, then we need to hide. Yes. Yes. And somehow it happened simultaneously with Jesus. Yeah. 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 It's such a beautiful story. It is. Well, thank you, Mary. Thank you for sharing your beautiful story with us. I am so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to be your friend. I'm so grateful that you are a leader in our church and that you're someone who is willing to lead out of your vulnerability and you're just really honest about your struggles. 
And I think you're the kind of leader that we all need to be. So mm. thank you for entrusting your story to us. Thanks, Corey, for asking. And thanks for listening, friends. And we hope that you will tune in next week for our next storyteller of change. Thanks so much.